Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and lived the lives they deserve. Because of this, founders live lives of abundance, freedom, and creativity. That's what I'm really all about. Hello, my name is Aziz, and from being a poor boy born to a single mother in North Africa, to failing multiple startups yet learning a whole lot, to barely escaping alive the war in Ukraine, even living as an illegal immigrant, I've lost everything twice, and now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day, sharing the wisdom of luminaries I've interviewed on this podcast from Google executives to Amazon, Microsoft, Forbes Technology Council, Harvard, Financial Times, and even a priest from the Vatican Church. Everyone is welcome here. So let's begin. My guest today is Seth Fanning. Seth has 12 years of experience in project management, operations, and IT serving enterprise public sector customers. Outside of his day job, he is a no-code developer, a Webflow freelance web designer, an electronic music producer, and a co-host on my No-Code Story podcast. Seth, how are you today? Hey, Aziz. Thanks for having me. I'm very good. Thank you. You're welcome. And it's my privilege, my honor, and my good fortune to have you today. So I would like to ask with this question, which is one of my favorite. These days, what seems to be something that you think a lot about? Maybe it's a problem that you're trying to solve, an insight that you had recently or a life lesson that is important for you, you're trying to capture. What have you been thinking about again and again and again in this period? Well, over the past few years, uh, I've definitely seen the no-code space uh, evolve. Um, I think back, you know, in the early days of all these tools that we know today, when they first rolled out, you know, a lot of us were just trying to make stuff, you know, to see if we could do that as a side hobby. I mean, some of us didn't think about, oh, this could possibly like create a future or we could start our own company or our own business and build things that people will actually use. Um, I think over the past few years now, I've started to see, you know, the benefits of that. And um, um, I'm on my journey, I would say, to try to fulfill that. Uh, desire of mine as, as far as starting a um, uh, an online business, um, a lifestyle business, you know, or one for my family, one for you know where I can sustain a lifestyle that that I enjoy um, instead of you know working uh, you know forty hours you know for a corporation for the next thirty years, um, and that, it's definitely stepping stones. So uh, I've just that's something that's been on my mind as. Now, how do I take what I've learned and package it and solve some solve a problem that I enjoy actually solving for a customer that I enjoy solving it for? 
Thank you. And to me, that concept of lifestyle business is very important. It's something that I have always yearned for. And actually, I salute your perseverance because for me, I actually had a corporate job for two years where I hated my life there. I didn't have shared values with the people because they were saying, look, I want to work until I'm 60 or whatever, and then I will enjoy life then. I will retire then. And I used to think, what if you died at 59 years old? I mean, it makes no sense, but nobody really was thinking about it. And I remember actually after two years, 30 days before my birthday, because you have to give a 30-day notice, I resigned and I just went off to the Philippines, which was very affordable. I had some savings in order to search for myself, to think about what value I can offer in this world. And I really couldn't take that, what you spoke about, the stepping stone where the yearning was too much because when you're working, like you said, 40 hours, you're a lot more exhausted than what is necessary for the entrepreneurial venture to work. But even then, let's speak about the lessons learned. When you think about a lifestyle business, which is great, it's not something that you're trying to make multi-million dollars or create a unicorn out of. And it's something that I'm sure a lot of people within the no-code community share. Well, what did you learn about it? What is necessary? What are the lean minimum components for it? Uh, Where should people look for their audiences or the niche that they will choose? Tell me what you've learned so far. Yeah, and this is from my uh, experience, you know, so I'm still on my journey. I'm not quite there yet. Um, but it's definitely been a it's it's a it's always an observation, you know. It's always taking a look through the lens. I would say a couple times a year. Um, I've definitely, you know, I've been able to eliminate the things I don't want to do and the things I do want to do. Um, because, like I said, I don't come from a tech background or a startup background. Um, I come from, you know, corporate. You know, more of a traditional uh, background, but. I guess with this mindset change, you know, over the past couple of years of being within the community of others, you know, of learning from others, it, it really uh, turned on the light in my head of, Oh, okay. There's so much here to learn and so much things that can actually be, uh, you know, accomplished, you know, and no code was definitely an outlet for that. Um, You know, it it gave you the tools. uh, It gave you the, the know-how, the community itself, the people teaching each other. And that was uh, really uh, something that uh, spoke to me. And for, as for me, uh, right now I'm still experimenting with things. I, I, you know, definitely the small bets, you know, small portfolio of small projects. Um, but as well, I'm also, you know, just looking to where I want to really, you know, try to pull off a, a, an actual company, you know, a B2B mostly b2c you know it just really depends you know i'm not really uh i wouldn't say oh i'm very uh fond of a certain market um just i became you know really obsessed with like the product management side of things and really understanding like customers and like what is the problem versus the solution and how do you actually identify those things and once you learn those the skills uh it's 
it really uh it's fun to go and try to find problems um so i'm still on that journey um as far as you know finding your niche and finding what you like i mean this is different for everyone because you you hear so many amazing stories from others that i wish i could live up to their story but i haven't yet um you know finding obviously we've we've heard that you know finding uh something in the middle of what you love and what you know how to do is uh the advice but sometimes that doesn't always uh come into play for some pe- some of us i think it really depends on uh, your lifestyle your network your day to day um so i really just focus on like right now i'm thinking more about like what is my unfair advantage um whether that might not be something that's more uh prone or more um trendy necessarily but it's still my unfair advantage so i'm looking like how can i take the skills that i have learned even if they're they don't really apply to the general general you know community of um, other makers and creators how can i actually take that and build in that market you know with no code tools because no code tools are just a way to get there you know it's just a a way to validate the idea so that's how i think about uh i'm thinking about things right now you know and just trying to leverage and see what natural energy flows from some of those things that i'm attempting to do and uh with whatever sticks and obviously listen to people and customers and just go for them there thank you and actually this takes time what i mean is we Often, even when it comes to books or any knowledge or entrepreneurship, the answers are there. You have heard them, but it's more superficial, the understanding, until over time you're like, wow, I really understand what this means. And it takes maybe one year, two years, three years, whatever time it takes, where you hear the same thing but it rings into your mind in a different way. And I say to everybody that they should keep at it because the answers are there. They exist. It's just that you need to evolve enough to absorb them in the right way that you can practically use and you need to fail enough in order for them to make sense, if that makes sense. And this journey is full of failures. Well, you're trying. Maybe it helps you that you have a job already. So you have uh, some sort of financial security. But also there is ego involved with it where some people don't want to mistake, make mistakes so that they think, oh, I'm dumb or whatever it is. How do you open yourself up to trying more and more things so that you find those, like the small bets you spoke about and the ones that will work. How do you open yourself up to rejection, to failing faster, to building in public and then things not working out? I'm not saying that you build in public, but as a general approach, how do you let yourself be that entrepreneur that takes risks and knowing that maybe 99% of things will fail, but that 1% will be the light at the end of the tunnel? That's a good, very good point. Um, I, I'm definitely for the, you know, build in public. Uh, you know, I think it it's, you know, like a, it works for some people. It doesn't for others. It's basically their choice. Um, but I am for it. I think it definitely is amazing when used but we also have definitely seen the downfalls and the cons of that um but 
as far as like lifestyle, you bring up a good point. Like, yeah, I definitely have a full time day job. Um, and it's great. It does provide financial, you know, stability. I have kids. I'm married. Um, so I definitely have, um, you know, responsibilities and things that are first for sure. But I, um, when it comes to actually having this additional life outside of my job, um, it, it is sometimes, uh, you know, it presents constraints of its own as far as having the time to be able to, you know, like, uh, you know, to give the time to be consistent, whether it's in Twitter or talk with other people. But you really just got to find that extra time uh, whenever you can. Um, and the way I think about, you know, uh, you know, problems or products that I want to build. Um, speaking of that, I actually haven't, you know, been as active as I would like to be this year. Or last year, uh, when during COVID, I was you know I wasn't affected. Thankfully, I, I work from home, but it um, as far as the workload, you know, I was really busy. So it just um, I would have liked to have made more, you know. And I it's I think it's easy for us as creators and makers to uh, get down on ourselves. Maybe you know, like when we're uh, having that stress of you know, like the constraints of life pulling us one way. And then having just time in general, because um, I have a three-year-old now, so it's definitely uh, it's a constraint for sure. Um, so the way I think about those things is uh, now I just took a step back, I guess, and just try to uh, learn from the community. Uh, you know, just always be writing my notes down, ideas I have, um, going and validating, uh, whether it's talking to people through Twitter DM, Reddit, just reaching out to people. And really finding out if it's a problem because I did, you know, ask myself this question as in, okay, since I don't have as maybe as much time as another creator or maker to actually act on, you know, just build, 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 even if it's not a business, I want to build a business. So I want to make sure that what I'm going to build is going to be somewhat uh, validated before I build heavily because of the constraints that I have and because I know that I'm not 20 years old. Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm trying to um, make the right decisions, but at the same time be open to experimentation. Thank you. I believe, you know, everybody wants to have that business that is already vetted. And like you said, heavily, <laughs> uh, yes, heavily tested and somewhat proven before investing more and more into it and you mentioned twitter is twitter worth it i mean is it really valuable did it open doors for you i mean okay this podcast is caused by twitter but other than this exception did it change your life or is it a time sink that gives the illusion of productivity compared to um, doing something else and creates the illusion of a relationship but actually you don't have people that will end up truly transformative in your life and you in their lives just because of Twitter. What's your perspective on it? Uh, all the hours, were they worth it? And tell me everything. Yes, that's, that's an interesting story too. That that really, Twitter has changed my life. I would definitely say that. Um, before 2018, I was, you know, just trying to learn how to code in Visual Studio you know, I was just on my own. I didn't have a Twitter account. I 
wasn't really i was curious about startups and i was teaching myself like okay what is this world of startups what is marketing what is product management like what is all this what is you know basically just teaching myself and just being interested um so i stumbled upon no code one day online and um when i was trying to learn how to hook up in a roku uh, back end or <laughs> so i definitely uh it's open you know doors for sure you know when i, when I came upon twitter i found the, the hashtag no code and it was just that was the first thing that led me to creating an account and this was back in early 2018 so it uh it was still the space was still small um you know ben tossel aj from card you know like you definitely had the er- tear read you did, you know, the early people that were already, you know, building amazing things, you know. So I uh, saw this as a as an opportunity. I was like, this is this is amazing. So I, I'm definitely all in. Um, I, I wanted to uh, learn from others, and uh, that was really the power of what you know kept me in this community and Twitter, and really uh, just helped me a lot. I uh, wanted to uh, say that I've, I think Twitter. Now that I've you know been on there for a few years and within the community, uh, seeing how it's grown, I can see how Twitter can be uh, an issue. It can be noisy at times, especially as a creator and maker. You know, you can you can uh, you know definitely be distracted when you're trying to build and or focus on a certain problem. But at the same time, you have your you have close circles and uh, friendships that you've uh, that develop over time. And I've definitely met some great people that I speak to weekly now through Twitter. Um, and I, I definitely think it's opened my network and I'm so like happy that I like, you know, took that chance or just that, you know, insight to, you know, joining and leaning into, you know, having friends, that are online or acquaintances that I can reach out to for feedback because that's, uh, you know, as a maker, we, we struggle with all this and, uh, we're all learning together. So that's, uh, what makes it really powerful to me. And, uh, the podcasts, you know, Ayesh has been great and, uh, given me the opportunity to help him and and to learn from others and, uh, just, uh, that's because that's, that's actually one of my passions is podcasting. I love audio as a medium, and I think it's an amazing medium if you're I mean, for the right person, of course. But uh, I've definitely leaned into that, and I'm learning a lot. And uh, it's just uh, the unexpected can happen on there if you let it happen. But you definitely got to mitigate, uh, you know, your uh, daily, you know, time with Twitter. I guess if you're going to be building because it can conflict with each other. Thank you. And I love your approach to learning that you're looking for that lifestyle business. Well, do you know, I know that the niche and all that will need to be vetted, but do you know how much or what kind of lifestyle business or what would you do once you have that for your family? Is it to take your kids and your wife and everybody you love traveling around is it more to have time so that you spend with your family? Is it the freedom from not having a, a boss that is telling you what to do or you can live truly 100% doing what you believe in? What's the thing that a lifestyle business will give you in your life? 
family for sure. Uh, definitely time to spend with my family. And um, I'm I'm all for work. I come from a you know mil- I was in the military uh, for five years, active duty military. I've been out for ten years now. Uh, so I, I'm definitely uh, not afraid to work. You know, and I do believe in actually having a uh, you know something to work on. You know, as far as you know, keeping my mind uh, going. So whatever kind of business that would be, um, I definitely wouldn't mind to, uh, you know, approach that and just learn from it because I've never been through it yet. So I, I want to definitely have the financial freedom and, uh, you know, serve a customer and learn from that. But I, I think at the same time, it depends on the scale of the problem you're solving. You know, if I can build something that can be acquired, you know, for my first go around, maybe a, a small micro SaaS or something like that, then that would be my goal just so I can get my foot in the door and uh, create a little bit of financial leverage as far as being able to take, you know, more time later to work on those, you know, bigger problems and hiring a team. Cause right now in my life, you know, you know, going out and getting any kind of venture capital or, uh, you know, just doing that is just not on the table for me right now. So that's just, uh, you know, maybe later I'll try, you know, 15 years from now, who knows? But right now that's, uh, yeah, as my goal is to create, you know, small, small problems with a nice, you know, steady revenue, solving a problem for a customer, learning from it. And then I guess once I'm at that point, once I do make it to that point, I can say more on that because I don't really know how it is. I might like it and I might want to just keep running, my, running it or I might want to sell it through micro acquire or so that's how I think about those things. Thank you. And since podcasting is one of your passions and there are a lot of upcoming podcasts within the community, a lot of people who want to share their voices, what lessons have you learned through podcasting that can help a new podcaster or you'd share with yourself at the beginning to save yourself a lot of hassle and trouble? What can you share with us that will be lessons that will make podcasting more effective, more enjoyable, easier, and benefiting more people? Well, I'm definitely still learning, as you can tell. I've definitely had some filler words as today, even. Um, I've done a few episodes now uh, with Ayesh, and I recently did a story uh, about the Airtable and the founder. Um, so I'm definitely still learning. This is a you know new thing for me. Um, it's much harder than it looks, I would say, but there are uh, guides and there's some good content out there on how to uh, learn it and how to practice, you know, the public speaking as well. And even though I've, I'm used to public speaking, public speaking on a podcast is very different from speaking in person at a corporate job to a room full of people. And I thought it was going to be easy, but it's definitely not easy. So I, I would say that um, the things that I've been learning so far that are helping me and I'm still practicing daily, this podcast is practice right now for me, I would say, is uh, ask open-ended questions, uh, circle back um, when somebody says something. And for me, I'm actually a fast talker, you know, by nature. So I always have the struggle <laughs> and I probably always will of having to slow down and try to relate to what's being said to me and then 
you know, come back out with my output. So uh, those are my learnings so far. This is uh, currently in the pro- in process, in progress. So uh, I hope that uh, gives a little bit of overview of how I'm learning about it. Thank you. It's really, really wonderful. And you've been, you know, involved with the no-code community for a while now. Where do you see it going? What do you feel are the next trends? How will it evolve? What can we look forward to in the future based on your own intuition, understanding, and observing how things have evolved so far? That is a very good question. And obviously, these are predictions. These are broad predictions. But there's going to be a couple of things that I think happen. Um, the tools that you know we're seeing now, you know, Bubble, Webflow, we're seeing more tools now. You know, every day, every month, it seems it's uh, really great. And the, the actual limitations of these tools are being reduced now through um, you know the, the developers and the no code creators are now coming to a point to where they're working together. I think, and I'm seeing this a lot, and that is entering the workplace now from uh, my observations. And I can see that, you know, a lot of enterprise uh, companies, whether they're not in tech or not, are taking the old traditional path of RPA and business process automation, those jobs, and trying to understand what low code and no code, the phrase and terminology mean, because, you know, it's just sometimes it's marketing but they're actually trying to learn how to okay how can we improve our our processes and automations uh you know with these tools so you're definitely seeing now a push into the enterprise and i think that that is a big opportunity and it's still uh it's still very uh in its infant stages i think with enterprise uh we see that no code as definitely taking the the b2c market uh, a little bit more um, easily because of its accessibility, you know, being able to just jump in and start creating things, uh, or you know, there's less limitations, maybe for a B two C app when it comes to uh, security compliance. So uh, I think some of the challenges that are going to be uh, some of these bigger no code platforms are going to have to figure out are, you know, adopting uh, having uh, requirements for. Uh, enterprise customers to adopt them and not just tech companies uh, like compliance, security, uh, data compliance, you know, HIPAA, you know, all these constraints that, you know, they might not encounter in, you know, a B2C market. There are a lot of, you know, laws and different things that apply in some of these uh, older, broader markets that are still being, not being touched. Uh, There's large companies out there that are you know, legacy, you know, living in on server stacks still that are out there, but they're large, but are willing there. They are willing to move to no code, but I still think they're trying to find platforms that are accessible with compliance and some of their standards. Um, I've definitely learned what I've learned of working in the public sector for the last 10 years is that, you know, some of these customers are not necessarily easy customers to have so you know there are trade-offs and i think it's uh you know it's going to be a learning journey but 
as far as um, no code, you know, being able to be introduced into the IT IT stack of a you know large company is really going to definitely help things. But I think it's culture as well. Culture is probably the most factor that is probably going to challenge that. Um, so culture, you know, just like any kind of technology adoption or any large technology uh, inflection point we see, there's always going to be, uh, you know, challenges with culture and, you know, there's going to be adoption laggards. There's going to be, you know, but eventually I think it will come around. So uh, it, it's very interesting because, you know, you just see one side of makers creating for this market and moving fast. Whereas in, you see this other side that's, you know, having some constraints still. And you still you do see growth. You know, we are seeing B2B, you know, enterprise tools being developed now. But it's still, you know, not as much as the B2C side, I would say. It being as far as the uh, accessibility to customers and, and especially within organizations, so... Well, maybe that's exactly the problem you can create your lifestyle business on fixing and maybe grow it and get uh, the funding for it and with VCs and all the stuff since you're observant. Look, Seth, this is a very interesting conversation and there is so many questions where we can go speaking about, but to respect the listener's time that could be like a part two and part three and part four of this so if people want to communicate with you they want to ask you questions or uh, get info on what you're working on your latest developments what are the best links for them to do so and i'll make sure to write your twitter in the description yeah i would say twitter would be the best uh, way to if you want to reach out to me um if you are new to the no code space or just in general trying to validate an idea, uh, maybe you want some feedback or something. Um, yeah. Reach out to me through DM on Twitter. I'm, I'm usually pretty uh, open and I get back to people as fast as I can. Um, I'm all for meeting people and learning from others. So uh, yeah, you can reach out to me on Twitter and uh, if you'd like, you can go to my no code story podcast and uh leave us a review and uh hopefully don't make fun of my uh my uh podcast recordings on there but uh i think uh no code uh, wealth podcast this podcast and uh the other no code podcast uh we're all uh definitely in this together but we're also uh just learning from one another so uh i think it's a great opportunity and i appreciate it thank you you're welcome. It was my privilege and an enriching conversation. Uh, I love our community. I love to hear people's perspectives and it's always fascinating. Thank you, Seth, very much. And I wish you a great day. Thank you, Aziz. Appreciate it. Thank you, too.